welcome to the Greenlight Podcast, an audio breakdown of the regulatory barriers to social equity in the cannabis industry by Marijuana Matters. My name is Deanna Benjamin, and I'm your host. The longer you spend learning about the social and political history of cannabis, the harder it becomes to ignore this painful and glaring disparity. Cannabis prohibition disproportionately harms Black people in poor neighborhoods in the United States. And because of that, cannabis regulation disproportionately excludes the very people targeted by those drug war laws. This is why allyship in the cannabis industry is essential to creating an equitable space. As the industry stands today, the primary beneficiaries of cannabis legalization are white men. Black people are severely underrepresented in cannabis business ownership and executive leadership. In part five of our Ally series, I got to chat with Katrina Yolen, Chief Marketing Officer at Acreage Holdings, one of the largest cannabis multi-state operators in the country. Keep listening to hear how Katrina took that knowledge and used it to make allyship a priority in her career and life. Let's get into it. Hi, everybody. Today, I'm here with Katrina Yolen, Chief Marketing Officer at Acreage Holdings, a leading multi-state cannabis operator in the U.S., and we are going to be talking about allyship, what that means, why Katrina opts into that role. Um, so just to get us started, Katrina, can you tell us about the time um, when you realized that social equity was something that was really important to you? Sure, and thank you for having me on the show. Um, I'm currently working at Acreage, but previously I, I joined the cannabis industry when I started working at Cureleaf um, early January 2018. And I think as I started to understand the history of cannabis, you can't help but uh, get into the war on drugs and how some communities have been disproportionately impacted over decades. And so as I learned more about the industry and got deeper into it, social equity you know, came at me from all points. And, and it's, to me, it's defined as fair access, fair access to a lot of different things, to resources, to education, to the opportunities to make money. And it's such an important part of the cannabis industry and for anyone who's entering the cannabis industry to understand um, the history and then you know, the chance to have an impact on where the industry is going and change the narrative is is really powerful and something that's important to me. Yeah, I, I love what you say about just educating yourself as you, you know, consume more information about this industry. It's really difficult not to see the connection between the war on drugs, cannabis legalization, mass incarceration. You can kind of see how all of that plays together. And for those of you who are listening, who might not be familiar with the term social equity, I think the way that Katrina defined it is really helpful, just uh, fair access. Um, social equity programs are um, legal mandates that are written by legislators that are designed to help the people most targeted by the criminalization of cannabis, who are for the most part Black people in America. Um, who live in impoverished neighborhoods. These are neighborhoods that are over-policed. And um, so the consequence has been, here's this booming industry, but most of the people who are 
in leadership positions who have ownership of it are not black, while most of the people who are being arrested for cannabis possession are black. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah. Right. So Katrina, you you were at Kiraleaf, now you're at Acreage. Have you, do you see that like in the industry? Is it something that you have seen just the lack of fair access or I think it's more that anyone who looks at, um, you know, any information from the last prisoner project or any public data on the number of people incarcerated for, for minor uh, crimes, possession, or uh, other cannabis-related um, arrests, you know, you can't help but be faced with the stark contrast between the legal market, which is booming now, and what happened pre-legalization and is still happening in some states, but to a much lesser extent. So the number of people who are still incarcerated now, despite the move towards legalization across the US is, is quite shocking. Um, and I think early on when I was at Cureleaf, it really struck me when I was on a panel with other cannabis operators and someone in the audience said, what are the multi-state operators doing to address these inequities, what are you guys doing? And I answered very honestly and said, "Not enough." Mm-hmm. You know, and and that's probably still the answer. But I think the industry has made a lot of important strides and moves in the right organization, in the right direction. Um, and and companies like Cureleaf have come out with programs and acreage. You know, we are certainly, absolutely, um, going to do that and supportive of. Uh, all the uh, all the things that are going on in each of the states which we operate right now, um, and I've just joined Acreage recently, but there's a lot of stuff that's uh, in the works that's going to be coming out, which um, which I think will help to move the company in the right direction. Yeah, and I think I think something that's notable here is that <laughs> almost everyone I'm speaking with is saying, "Yeah, we're figuring it out," because the cannabis industry is it. Even though people have been using this plant for thousands of years this is a newly regulated industry in the United States. It's still not fully legal, federally speaking. Um, in some states, it's legal just for medicinal use, not necessarily, you know, recreational adult use. So yeah, this is a really foundational time. And, and I think it's important for people to hear, this is something that companies, that leaders are thinking about and trying to figure out how to, to implement it. So I guess my next question is, just like off the top of your mind, what what do you think allyship in the cannabis industry looks like in action? So I love what you said about, you know, helping to create fair access, but what are concrete things that you've either seen um, others do or that you are interested in, in doing yourself or that you've done yourself? Well, before, before I heard the term allyship, I would have just said it's doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. But what is that? that mean? (laughs) Um, And how can you do the right thing? Uh, To me, first of all, I don't like to assume that I know the answer. So I think listening is important because it's not, it's also not one size fits all. And I think a couple of years ago, um, some people in, you know, some cannabis companies felt like just throw money at the problem. Really, we need to have loans, we need to support and just give money. And then the more we listened, um, and in fact, Khadija Tribble, Uh, I ended up being fortunate enough to work with her. She did some consulting for Cureleaf when I was there um, to go out into communities and really listen and say, what do people want? Is it just money? 
And the answer came back that, no, people want a lot more than that. People want business skills. They want networking. They want mentoring. They want training, education. And yeah, capital is important when you're trying to start a business, but that by no means is everything. Mm. So I think that was that was very eye-opening for me. And at Acreage, um, as an example, in our, in our West Loop store in Chicago, Nature's Care, um, there's been a focus on hiring uh, people from the community and making sure that at least 75% of employees come from um, communities disproportionately impacted. I think that's one important part, um, supporting all of the communities in, where we operate um, and then going further, you know, state by state within the states and, and supporting um, advocacy is another way. So I think being an ally comes on a number of different levels. And just as companies are trying to figure out what the right thing to do with social equity as legislators are trying to figure that out as well. And so advocacy um, and amplifying the voices that we're hearing and the advice that different you know, people are giving and getting after listening <laughs> to what people want um, and helping to work with legislators to really impact uh, impact the laws. We have at Acreage, um, Nick Ettens, our head of external relations and government affairs, he founded the, uh, the Veterans Cannabis Project in, in Washington, DC, which is really all about um, access, medical ac access to medical cannabis for veterans, which is another important group that um, has, finds a lot of relief from cannabis and has suffered a lot. So I think you know there are a lot of different ways to be an ally uh, but first, listening is important, amplifying voices, um, advocacy, education, all of those things are important. Um, and, and coming from marketing, my background's obviously in marketing, I think listening to a diverse set of voices is common sense. So to anyone in marketing, you know, you, we know that we're marketing products to a diverse group of people. <laughs> There's not just one consumer and cannabis is you know, across the age, gender, um, racial, every kind of perspective you have, cannabis, you know, when you're marketing to people in their 20s to their 80s, you see the range, right? <laughs> and I think, uh, you know, I've always valued having a diversity of opinions, voices, backgrounds, perspective. Um, in marketing, to me, it's, it's common sense. You need to have that, but in the larger organization, it also is for the greater good of the organization. Um, so I think, you know, hiring um, is a very important place to start, but, uh, but mentoring and training is too. So that's another way of being an ally. Mm, I just loved hearing everything you said. There were so many good nuggets. One thing that I think you, you did such a beautiful job of, of distinguishing is the difference between charity and social equity throwing money at something in a lot of ways it's kind of viewing the the problem as something that can be solved with just charity just some money without really um, taking the steps to form a partnership with the community mm -hmm. but in doing so and actually speaking with the community you find I think a lot of people who could use their privilege as allies sometimes think just to have that a preconceived notion that oh these communities of color these impoverished communities they just want money mm -hmm. that's really all that they want but no I mean everybody wants to make something happen with their life people want to work people want to create people want to add value and um, sometimes it's just if you have a set of skills you can just 
pass that on to someone else. And, you know, what is it that people say? Instead of giving someone fish, teach them how to fish kind of thing. Yes. Or, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I love that. And then what you said later on just really highlights the mutual, mutually beneficial relationship that is involved in allyship. You're talking about hiring people who have insight into communities mm -hmm. that you may not have insight into. We all have blind spots. So having a diverse audience within your company and also within your um, supply chain, that's just, it's smart. It's just, it's strategic because this is such a, a versatile product and such a universally used product. So I just, I loved that. <laughs> cool. Rewind, listen to what you said again. <laughs> I, I don't remember what I just said, so that's fine. <laughs> um, so my next question for you is a little bit less, it's more into like your personal, I guess, personal stance and the way that people have maybe responded to you personally. Social equity, again, these are programs that benefit people targeted by cannabis criminalization. In other words, programs that help people who've been arrested or convicted of cannabis crimes. And there are a lot of people who hear that and say, well, they broke the law. Like, why are you helping them? I didn't break the law. <laughs> no one's helping me. So my question is, have you received backlash from people who kind of have that attitude towards so social equity? Or even have you yourself had to like process that? And how do you respond to that narrative? Um, I haven't personally received backlash. I think within the cannabis industry, I've been fortunate to work with people um, who understand what's going on, I think, in the and to really see that, yeah, we can hire someone as long as it's legal in that state, which I think it is now in most states. Um, you can hire someone with an arrest record, right? If they're the right person for the job and they have the enthusiasm and the, the skills, the desire, whatever it takes to do that job, I don't care if they have an arrest, yeah. you know, for cannabis on their on, in their background. And I just interviewed someone actually a couple of days ago who... Um, who used to be a dealer in the illicit market. And he, you know, he only told me that probably towards the end of the interview, but he had already demonstrated he had the skill set to do the job. Yeah. And and I could care less. I mean, I think it it brings a different perspective in, which again is valuable. I wasn't looking to hire someone who had done that, but I frankly view it as a plus if he has everything else it takes. Yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna think negatively of him for that. I think bringing people from the illicit market, whether they're consumers or as employees in is really important. Yeah. Um, you know, it's part of the shift of the industry from, from unregulated to a regulated industry. And, and there are people who know how to grow really well, mm. um, who understand sales yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and marketing. And, you know, there, there's room in the industry for all those people and all those perspectives, as long as they have the other skills needed to, to do the job. Oh, that's, it's really refreshing to hear that because it's just a straightforward, like, yeah, it's an asset. It can be if you have the skills, right? Exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, this market, this thriving cannabis market was built by these legacy mm -hmm. cannabis entrepreneurs who are just trying to start a business. And I often think like, what are the things that are not regulated that people can just have fun developing? Like the tech industry is not nearly as regulated as cannabis. Sure. People aren't getting arrested disproportionately, you know? Right. 
developing tech, which can be arguably more dangerous than cannabis, but that's a whole tangent, <laughs> another conversation. Um, have you, do you have any advice for people who feel like, okay, well, I'm, I'm listening to this interview. I'm listening to Katrina speak. She's, you know, the CMO of this huge cannabis company. She's got a, a big platform. She has a lot of influence. I don't, you know, I, I work at, the, at, the, at a cash register or I'm not even, I'm in a state that doesn't even have legal cannabis, but I, you know, care about this issue. What advice do you have for people who feel like they don't have the power or the voice to really step into the allyship role? I think there's a lot that people can do. I mean, first of all, vote, yeah. vote. Email, call your legislators, make sure cannabis is on the ballot. Mm -hmm. um, support legislators who are supportive of cannabis. Uh, there's a lot you can do with social media to show your support. You know, of course, supporting great organizations like Marijuana Matters, um, and there are many others. Um, providing that support, which, which could be time, volunteer time or money. Uh, but certainly showing your support publicly, whether it's, you know, social media or whatever other, you know, tools you use, communicating with families and friends, I think, is a, something that everybody can do. It's really about being an active citizen, frankly. Um, and people can support cannabis and the industry um, and change laws in all sorts of ways. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I mean, we all have a little bit of influence, sometimes way more than we perceive for sure. Absolutely. And I'm guessing that Katrina, you were not born out of your mother's womb as the chief marketing officer at Anchorage. <laughs> so clearly, you know, there are, we all come from humble beginnings in the, in the sense that we were all born babes. We don't know, but we learn and we grow mm -hmm. and we figure out how to use the influence we have. So never voice matters. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, Katrina, that's all the questions that I have for you. Thank you so much for giving us your time and your insight. Um, I really hope that our listeners, that you all, you know, listen to this again, just really take notes and think about what you can do to step into this role. Cause I don't know about you, but I'm hearing like, it's not easy, but it's simple. It's a simple thing. Um, it takes a little bit of work, but it can be really worth it. Um, so yeah, thank you again, Katrina, for being with us today. Sure, sure. I think our our kids learn about bullying in elementary school, and I remember when my kids came home, the the main thing they took away is don't don't be silent, don't sit on the sidelines and watch something bad happening. Speak up. And I think in the cannabis industry and you know in life, that's what being an ally is. Speak up. Don't sit on the sidelines quietly. Yeah, that's a perfect way to end. <laughs> well, thank you for your time and for for Marijuana Matters and all the good that you guys are doing in the world. I think it's a fabulous organization. <laughs> thank you so much, Katrina. That's it for today's episode of the Greenlight Podcast. If you support what we're doing, subscribe to our podcast and leave us a five-star review. That'll help others find us and learn more about social equity in the cannabis industry. You can find out more about Marijuana Matters by checking out our website, marijuanamatters.org, and you can follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram at Marijuana Matters DC. Thanks for joining us. Talk soon.